Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is the second part. I should have known when I got started with Marty, we were going to go overtime. 15 minutes is tough when you've been uh, tracking with somebody for decades. So this is the second part of the interview with Marty. More interesting stuff. Again, lots of Yankee stories. Everybody either loves or hates the Yankees. More people love them than hate them. But it was great to spend some time with a fellow baseball fan that had seen and experienced a lot of the same things I had. So thanks, Marty Appel. Thanks, sponsors. Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's the second part of the interview with Marty Appel. Thanks, Marty, for your cooperation. And uh, Marty, actually the guy that uh, connected me with Jay Baker, who did the Yankee Exhibition Museum shows I did with him. So uh, thanks for that. And Marty is a headliner in his own right. Rich Klein, our mutual friend, and I were doing an episode about Mickey Mantle versus Willie Mays. And I posed the hypothetical to him, what if Mays, and there's reasons why this probably wouldn't have happened or or couldn't have happened, but what if Mays had come up with the Yankees and Mantle had come up with the Giants? They're similar age, played the same position, generational talents. What happens if Mays is is a Yankee? (laughs) I actually think he'd have had Mickey's popularity. It would have shifted because I think the real reason Mantle exceeds Mays' fandom and popularity is that Mickey was more of a national figure having been in 12 World Series. Willie didn't have the benefit of that. 12 World Series in his first 14 years, he was on the NBC fall schedule more than Bonanza. And he performed. And he came through. And he had the looks and the glamour and everything. But sometimes, out of nowhere, I'll say, what if Eddie Matthews was Mickey Mantle? What if Eddie Matthews from Milwaukee had played in New York? Might have been Mickey Mantle. He was... Handsome and really good at a young age, a lot yeah. of power. Yeah, but if you're in Milwaukee, that's uh, it was a problem. <laughs> it was just not as big. Nothing like the Big Apple. I miss the simplicity of being able to follow 400 players and 16 teams. Right. And people today criticize young fans for not having the same interest in the history of the game that we had and all. I'm chuckling because my son had twin boys yesterday. Awesome. Which gives him three sons and their names are Casey, Ty, and Maddie. I wonder where that came from. Gee. (laughs) But the, the reality is I don't blame today's kids for not following it the way you and I did because it's too much. There's no longer 400 players. There's a thousand players and it's just impossible to keep up with. That's a further explanation of the the superstar orientation and the goat orientation of card collecting, not just the fandom. If you can't know all the players, you're going to pick somebody that's making the headlines, the the glamour guy that's hitting all the home runs. It's just impossible to keep up with everything. But, But they make cards. Again, the best guys have the most cards. But I won't say everybody has a card because the, the, the last guy on the roster doesn't necessarily. Football has the college ranks and the draft to deal with. Baseball is very different. A lot of the Bowman prospecting kinds of sets, they're guys that are never going to get a whiff of the big leagues. And yet there's speculation on them that they're a five-tool talent at the age of 18 or 19, but it just doesn't come together for them. The burden is on us to devote a large chunk of our days to devouring statistics and 
if you, I guess if you're in a fantasy league, you're more inclined to know everybody. So they've served a purpose. Not necessarily everybody, but you got to know the relevant people for yeah. what the, the league uh, rules are. And the other thing I've seen, what's happened in our lifetime is that we've gone from when I was a kid and a young adult, a large collection was considered wonderful. A big library of books was considered wonderful, but which you have and I have too. But now a smaller collection. I don't know that people just have smaller houses, but they just don't want to have thousands of cards if they can have hundreds of cards. And they don't want thousands of books if they can do tens of books. I don't know. It's People don't read as much or at least read uh, longer things. I'll tell you something I learned in being involved in the publishing industry and writing the books that I've written. I've had several publishers and editors express in different ways to me the, the best thing about publishing books is the affection that people have for the books. They love the book, Biblio. It's like a Bible to them. People right. buy books, and that's great. The worst thing they have going for them is that same affection because people don't throw out books. People save the books, fill up their shelves, and buy less and less as they have less and less room for them. An interesting dichotomy. One of the things you've done, which I think listeners would find fascinating, is that you've been involved in the, not construction, but the, the, the development, the writing of some of the Hall of Fame plaques. Yeah. Um, that um, has to be just a real kick. And I suppose that's mainly Yankees, but what do you bring to that? And how did you get selected for that? Because that sounds like a great honor, a great pleasure. And I know you're telling it straight. You're not exaggerating. These are uh, amazing legends that you have to encapsulate in not too many words. I went to college in Oneonta, which is the closest college to Cooperstown, 19 miles away. And I went there a lot. I went there first in 1962 with my parents on a summer vacation trip. When I was in college, I went there and met Lee Allen, their famous author and historian. And then when I went to work for the Yankees, we were the closest major league team to Cooperstown. And the Cooperstown people came to know us at the Yankees fairly well because they'd come to New York often for dinners or events. Ed Stack was the president of the Hall of Fame in those days. He liked me. We had a friendship which still exists to this day. And he asked me if I would just be one of the contributors that they could pass around drafts of the Hall of Fame copy. So it wasn't just Yankees. Everybody came my way. In fact, the first year I did it, 1979, Willie Mays was an inductee. I did it for 21 years until subsequent management at the Hall of Fame felt they could do it themselves, and they do a fine job. But during the time I was there, Bill Veck got inducted. But that was a challenge because Veck was probably most famous for signing Eddie Goodell, who we called a midget back then, would be a little person today. And I'm thinking, that sort of keeps you out of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> it doesn't get you into the Hall of Fame. Does this belong on the plaque? And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and finally the last line of his plaque says, a champion of the little guy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we he covered great, it. <laughs> an amazing uh, innovator, but he was pushing the envelope, yeah. I think people smile when they see that sentence on his plaque, and that would uh, give me pleasure. Any perspective on the current card hobby? I'd like to see fanatics throw things in reverse and market them for young kids. I think kids love cards. We did, and it's because it fit nicely in your hand, and you got a good up-close look at these guys, and you can sort them in a hundred different ways. And I think kids are kids. I think they would still appreciate that. 
So Fanatics comes along and says, you know what, let's market this more as a kid's product or at least as much as a kid's product as we do to hobbyists. Maybe we tap into a new base of customers there. So that's my number one wish. When Fanatics bought or acquired the license, my heart broke for my friends at Tops, of whom I have many. And I thought that very first day, well, Fanatics has to buy Tops for their, they know how to do cards. They know how to market cards. So I was delighted when my prophecy came to be a few months later. And now I hope the Tops name lives on. They'll probably do a Fanatics brand to bring that into the marketplace. But I'm so glad the Tops name will continue on. Okay, now you were with Tops in the 90s. Uh, I have a thesis. I think Tops in the 60s, the 70s, probably even the 80s, thought that this was a hobby for kids. And they paid a lot of attention to what, what kids were doing. But somehow in the 90s, perhaps, when we get into the kind of the junk wax thing and you get into the baseball strike, there was a little bit of a shift toward higher price points that I think by the late 90s, you're not talking about Tops or anybody else marketing very aggressively to kids. It became an adult hobby, which I think is not good because there's no generational legacy. Two things. First of all, we were in agreement. From my perspective, Upper Deck's entry into the marketplace had everybody raise their prices because Upper Deck came in at, I think, 79 cents a pack. And Top said, whoa, people will pay that? Yeah. Let's put up a stadium club and make a stronger brand and charge that too. Right. And they did, and people paid that. So that was a lesson that they needed competition to bring forth. The other thing was weekend card shows, conventions were attracting adults, bringing their kids, but in some cases just going on their own. And it was hard not to observe the prices and the attention that these things were getting. So that set the card companies into thinking there's an adult audience out there that'll pay a lot more money than a kid buying a pack for 79 cents. I'm a lifer. I want this hobby to be great during my lifetime. I want it to be good for generations to come. Because as you said, I think there's a manipulative aspect, that there's a connection aspect that needs to be more relational rather than just transactional. I think the hobby's gotten a lot more personal in, in my lifetime. It used to be more of a solitary hobby. And now there's a lot of uh, activity and a lot of digital and virtual friendships, as well as real friendships from people that share the hobby. And not well, the things we learned as kids in trading and determining values in our own minds. Would you trade this Mickey Mantle card for these five players? That was part of growing up. That was part of learning how the, how the world works. The problem with that is that if, if you had traded five of your cards for a Mickey Mantle, the kid down the street, he had a Mickey Mantle and you had five cards, that trade would probably have been negated. But by your parents not the other kid. Nowadays, you'd think I would trade any five cards for the mantle. But in those days, you'd say, wait a minute, you gave five cards for one, even if it is Mickey Mantle. Two for one in my neighborhood, anything beyond about that was you're taking advantage. And now it's a hundred to one, a thousand. I'm smiling, which you, your listeners can't see because my mother went and bought back all my cards that I traded. Oh my goodness. Talk about ratification. I, but you still got the mantle probably. <laughs> yeah. I remember in the year I was collecting all Yankees, I had duplicate mantles and I traded them for Zach Monroe and Jim Pasoni and guys that I didn't have. Other so Yankees. I still regret that. But I also still have 356 mantles. 
that's one of my favorite cards of all time. Me too. Yeah. And when I worked for Tops, I discovered in their files were a whole strip of negatives that they shot of Mickey that day with him looking different ways and posing in different ways. And, oh, that's the one they used, but you saw all the others, too. It's a beautiful card, the whole 56 set. We can't have this conversation without paying a little tribute to Cy Berger, who really was the father of it all. And I worked with him because he was still there when I joined Tops. He was a dear friend and a fascinating guy. People thought he owned Tops, but he was only (laughs) an employee, although he was a stockholder. But he was just an employee. And his job was to go out every year and re-sign the players to their contracts. The autographs that appeared on the cards of the 50s, Cy designed those cards, and he took the autographs out of the baseball register, which used to have the autographs under the player's stats. And those are matching autographs. That's where he took it from, which I learned when I went to work for Top. What I got out of my time spent with Cy was that here's Tops talking about how they're marketing to kids. When I was with Cy, and this was in the probably 70s, 80s, 90s, somewhere in there. Through the decades, he always had the wonderment of, even though he was older than me, he, he, he was an older man, he had the wonderment uh, and the delight of a kid, that twinkle yep. in his eye about the cards and the players. And Willie Mays could do no wrong for him. They were best buds. Yes. And other people thought Willie's difficult and they were best buds. Tops did a Beatles set from- Tops did Beatles cards. Cy was assigned to get a deal with them, and he flew to London at a meeting with Brian Epstein, their manager, explained to him about what Topps is and how they want to do these cards. And there were other people also, everybody wanted a piece of the Beatles then. But Cy, knowing Brian Epstein was also Jewish, began talking to him in Yiddish. (laughs) 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 And that's how Cy got the Beatles for Topps. Well, Cy was a charmer. Went out to Arizona or Florida or wherever. He was a mensch, what they would say. He did a lot of nice favors for people. He's always kind to me. And one of the pillars of the industry, uh, one of the building blocks, we stand on his shoulders. So you're one of those two, Marty. Uh, uh, A real building block of the industry and a sport of baseball. So I, I wish you the best going forward. So thanks, Marty. We'll be back again tomorrow.